All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50. I got 54 days. Brought to you by Finning Canada, the parts you need when you want them. We are back with another edition of the Real Life Podcast. I'm Jason Greger. He is Jason Strudwick, former uh, NHL player, trying to be a hair model. It's not working out uh, very well. You can't be everything to everyone, but, you know. True. Not bad, though. The people that do like me, they love me. <laughs> you probably can count them on your hand. Oh, well, you're one of them. Oh, I love it. That's I love it already. Uh, we welcome in a gentleman who uh, Oiler fans know, Edmontonians know, St. Albert knows. Uh, Fernando Pisani joins us on the Real Life Broadcast, brought to you by Finning 1.4 million parts at your fingertips. Finning 1.4 million. That's how many fans... Would have basically given anything to Fernando Pisani back in 2006 when he was lighting up the NHL playoffs with 14 goals. Now, we'll get to that. Yeah. I know that's what you asked us to call you for, but we'll get yeah. to that in a second, okay? <laughs> don't, don't worry. We'll yeah. ask you about it. But uh, All right. I know uh, Struds wants to talk about something a little yeah. bit more important. First. I sure do. Listen, Fernando, you know, you, you've had, um, you, you know, you've got a young family. You work with a lot of different hockey players in St. Albert, uh, your sons and daughters, all, everyone. So, you know what, now, you know, I'm a father. My, my kids are a little bit younger than yours. But, you know, as you work with these kids, I'm wondering, what, what do you spend a lot of time working on with young players? Because I'm sure you get stopped and asked all the time. I get asked all the time. And we want to know what you think. You know, what, what should young players, you know, as they get to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, what is, a, is there a number one thing you try to focus on with that age, uh, that age of uh, player? Well, you know, the one thing I think is skating. But not just skating. I, I just think about having a good – 
a good attitude and being a good teammate. I think that's the biggest thing that I I try to teach to my kids because, you know, that's one thing I, I, I think that's kind of losing its uh, losing its luster as, as kids get older is, is just, uh, you know, going out there and, 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 and working hard, but, like, not in, in body language, too, and, and being, you know, being... You know, when you don't get to play and you don't get to, you know, you don't play in certain situations and, and not pouting and, and just being being a good teammate in that sense. So is that a conversation we have with them? Is is it, uh, you know, maybe showing them uh, this is what it looks like, this is what it doesn't look like? Is it is it reinforcing it through uh, more play for kids that have the better attitude or less play for ones that maybe struggle with the attitude? You know, how do you handle that uh, for your, your group of, you know, like kids around, like I said, 8, 9, 10? Well, you know, you just try to talk to them and just kind of say, hey, you know what, you have to be positive, you have to be a good teammate, you have to be happy for uh, your teammates when they score. You know, not everybody is a goal scorer. Like, you know, Stratty, not everyone's as good as a goal scorer as you, but <laughs> be happy for that person when they do get to score goals and, and, and just being a good teammate and, and just being positive. And I think that's, that's a big thing that I try to talk to my kids about for sure and just making sure that, you know what, being a good teammate is just as good as, as scoring the goal because not everybody can score goals. Everybody brings different things to, to the table. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what I try to tell my kids, you know, is just work hard and, and have fun and enjoy the game. But being a good teammate, is it just goes a long way. Yeah, there's no doubt it, it does kind of just uh, keep it going. Uh, so as far as the skating, the attitude, you know, after that, is it is it is it more about games? Is it more about practice? Is it is there something kids can do off ice? Because you know, I got inundated by you know like uh, questions from a lot of friends. I'm sure you do as well. And you know, what what do you think? Where's that priority after those first two, the skating and the and the attitude? Uh, you know what? It's uh, you know stick handling. I you know tell them working on their shot and, and just just keep doing those little things. Like basics of the game are always going to be there. You know, you have to have you have to be a good skater. You have to be a good passer. You have to be a good shooter. Like just working on those fundamentals um you know i think when we grew up all you know, the kids nowadays are just so much more talented than you know when we played because they just they worked on their skills way more than you know than when i did when i was a kid and you know i think that's the biggest thing is just to keep keep working on on your shot keep working on stick handling and you know you look at all the players in the nhl that are the the top players their hands are just so much faster and they think the game's so much better than than a lot of the guys so that's you know i guess that's the biggest thing that i would say working on skills you were a guy who you know and everybody saw it especially in 2006 the shot and the release a lot of kids get focused on the slap shot at a young age and the reality is in the game unless you're a defenseman you're not using it. Uh, how, what's what's your tip on improving slap, uh, the snapshot and the wrist shot? Well, yeah, like you said, I, I never use the slap shot. I always use the snapshot because you just don't have that, that time and, and space and uh, to, to do the big wind-up. But I, you know, I would just sit there and, and just get pucks and just fire them. That's all I would do, and i just get it and just repetition, repetition, and um, and just working on trying to shoot in stride. And that's a big thing that a lot of kids have a tough time grasping, you know, just moving your feet and shooting at the same time. Because nowadays the goalies are so good and, you know, they'll stop it, you know, the majority of the time. It's just trying to catch them off guard with your feet moving 
and getting that release off really quick. What about using the right stick? You know, is that is that something with young kids that you can see when a kid maybe has a stick that's or a player has a stick that's too long or too short or you know, I, I know even stiffness can be an issue, I suppose. Yeah, uh, you know what? Like the technology nowadays is just is, is crazy. The kids are all using uh, you know two hundred, three hundred dollar sticks, and um, you know a lot of them are just are rifling that thing and. And I guess it's just getting educated about what's the right stick to use. And, um, you know, I think it's just about feel and whatever the kid enjoys using and just watching them and seeing, okay, you know what? He shoots pretty good with this stick. Maybe I'll just continue with that and the curve and, and all that thing. I think it's just basically trial and error at that, at that age. Fernando Pisani joins us in the Real Life Podcast. Uh, all right, Fernando, uh, we are uh, into the uh, playoff push in Edmonton. Uh, Oilers fans are on the edge of their seats waiting for a thing called the playoffs. Uh, some of them have never seen it in their adult life, scary enough, because at least in Edmonton, anyway, it hasn't happened. Uh, it'll be 11 years this spring when the legend of Fer- Fernando Pisani was born in Edmonton. And uh, Now, honest question. How long after before you actually had to buy dinner in Edmonton after the 06 run? Uh, you know what? Uh, it, it was a blast. It was such a such a good time, and you know the season change and and it was just warm outside and going to the rink with just a fresh mindset. And you know, for us that year, the last month and a half, we were already in playoff mode. They, we were playing must-win games, so. We were we were ready to go as soon as you know we got to Detroit. Like it was uh, it was just another game for us, and just hey, you know what? Let's just hit the repeat button and, and go after it. Well, that's a really good answer, but that wasn't my question. I yeah. said, how long did you have to go before you had to buy your your own dinner? Well, probably a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, couple of weeks. Uh, Are you kidding me? Like. Well. Here, it is, like, uh, and it, well, I'm, I'm not even pumping your tires because it's it's real. Like, there's very few guys that score 14 goals in an NHL playoff oh. year ever, right? And and I think because you know that matched your season high that year, and you know what, uh, you were not a guy who was you know considered a a massive sniper, but that year, like, I've talked to a lot of your teammates since, and they were like, we get into a close game, and we'd be like, yeah, where's Pisani? Is he going to score us a goal? Like. Yeah. You look back on it now, and it's 11 years later, and your kids, I don't, I don't know if you've ever shown in videos, and I know you're a really humble guy, Fernando, and I respect that about you, but have, have your kids, do they kind of grasp But man, dad was like the shit in 2006 <laughs> in the playoffs. No, you know what? My kids will, if I ever, they, like, they'll watch the videos, and they'll see it, and they'll be like, yeah, but you lost in game seven. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's, uh, you know, that's pretty harsh, but... You know, like the kids, they'll watch a little bit of highlights here and there, but you know, they don't. It, to me, it's just dad. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. don't, they don't look at it that way. But yeah, but you know what? You never bought me dinner when I ran into you. So, <laughs> well, actually, I, I always try to buy you drinks at On the Rocks, but usually we had to wheel you out of there a little early. I'm so still, uh, I'm still waiting to buy dinner from you. So you know what? I will say, everyone acts. Everyone always thinks this act Fernando has is humble. But when I first signed the Oilers, our first plane trip, Fernando and I, we shared our seats on the plane. And right away, he's like, yeah, you remember 06? I'm like, yeah, I remember, Pi. You don't have to tell me again. I lived oh, through it. You know it. what? To tell the truth, Freddie, what happened was, 
Johnny was walking on the plane, and he's like, can I sit here? Like, no, it's taken. I'm like, <laughs> I saw four or five guys say, no, 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 you're not sitting here. And I said, all right, come here, kid. I'll uh, I'll show you the rules. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, I was going to say something nice, but I guess I will. So, you know, Fernando, I know that uh, I, I, you know, I, I've known you for quite a while, and I, I've known a lot of people that are around you prior to that. And you were a guy that worked a lot on your game in the off season, you know. So as you whirled into that 05-06 season, spending time, as you mentioned, working on your shot, shooting a stride, all that type of stuff, you know, did you have a feeling during the season that, you know, you were going in the right direction as far as your release and, and you know, maybe think that you could be a guy, maybe not 14 goals dangerous, but you could be a dangerous shooter heading into that playoffs, uh, whatever length it would have been for the Oilers? You know what, I think every season – every player going into that is has high expectations of themselves and um you know i've, I've had somewhat of success you know growing up and being able to score goals and the nhl is just another it's obviously a, a higher level to do that in but i always go into a season you know confident and saying you know what i could i can do this you know i just gotta get my head wrapped around it and, and work on it and continue to get better and that's kind of how I approached every season that I played, and it's just okay. You know what? I can get to 20 goals, or you know, 14 goals in the playoffs wasn't anything that I, you know, a goal that I had set. But uh, just being able to be a positive factor on the ice is kind of what I had my mindset going into that. Now, yourself, Pekka, and Torres became a really dominant line, and it's funny because if you want to talk about three different personalities and even really three <laughs> different styles of players, right? Like, Torres was a whirling dervish and, you know, a lot more high-strung than you off the ice. You're kind of the calm guy, and Pekka was a, you know, a competitive, fiery guy who, you know, would hit guys hard and, you know, back in Buffalo. Like, he used to run guys over, right? Oh, yeah. And so, but your line got that chemistry right away, uh, Fernando. So I want to talk first about that, and then we'll get into the individual stuff. But w- when did you think, like, okay, you know what, Like, why did your line work so well that spring? You know what, it's, it's funny, but Pekka's level, he, like his game just went to another notch the last 15 games of the season and then playoffs. And I'm like, where was this guy all year? Like, he was, he was physical. Um, you know, he was a great penalty killer. Uh, and he was great on the face-offs, but we just kind of all just gelled. Like, Rafi was kind of a, you know, just a pinball machine going everywhere and running guys over, and he just created a lot of open space for, for myself to, to get myself in a position to, to get my shot off, and, you know, it seemed like my everything I shot was going in, and it was uh, it was a pretty great feeling to have. You know, Peck, I always respect him so much as a centerman. You, you kind of talked about what all the things he did. But, you know, playing with a guy like that, do you know how good he was till you're now lining up beside him and night in, night out and, and, and able to kind of to, to, to lean on him for a lot of things that he did so well that maybe don't always show up sexy on the highlights or the score sheet? Yeah, you know, when you, you don't realize how good some guys are until you actually play with them. And, uh, you know, he was one of those guys. And even, even Chris Pronger was one of those guys. Like the first half of the year when he was with us, I was like, ah, you know what, he's, he's okay. But then he just hits his stride and, and his first pass was on the tape and he was just a horseback there for us and how he patrolled the blue line and how he just settled things down when things got a little out of control. But, you know, and, and Peck is the same. You know, he was, he was physical. He was, you know, great on the PK. He did a lot of little things that... You know, a lot of people didn't really notice, but when you play with him, you notice those things. Fernando, you know, it would be 
I'm, I'm pretty sure I could I could guess the answer as far as what was your favorite goal of that playoff run. It's got to be the shorthanded one. So I want to ask you, what did Steve Steo say to you after you scored <laughs> that shorthanded goal in game five with him in the penalty box to keep the series alive? Well, I'll give you the censored version. He just said, awesome job. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few other bombs in there, but <laughs> uh, it was uh, – you know, it was it was kind of a scary feeling going on the ice and, and the PK because you know you get scored on, it's done. And uh, a lot of things happened in that play. I don't know if you guys remember. Ethan did a great job yeah. for checking on that, and and he hit uh, enough of the stick just to kind of slow that pass down. That you know, I kind of was sitting there and just watching and waiting, and it just it just happened. You know, it's it's funny you talk to people about it, but it actually just time just slowed right down and I got that puck and I look and all I see is you know Ward was you know, I don't know if he was kind of uh, not expecting it but he, he was off the one side and I just shot it in the top corner. Well that was the, the great part about that was that was the ultimate goal scorer's goal. It wasn't like you came in and, you know, right. shot it uh, off the pad and in. Like, it was top-shelf snipe. And I remember, because I was doing my show at the time live at uh, on White Avenue. Kind of a shocker, but I was. And <laughs> the place... I've never seen a bar and people go as ballistic and like they were reenacting that goal because they used to do a uh, down at the old Elfin Castle. They used to have a, a intermission contest with the net. Like people were grabbing their stick and they're all like, "Oh my god, I'm Pisani!" Like, and these yeah. are grown men, thirty yeah. years of age, like kids. They were so excited like that. You must have, and I know it's you know you still hadn't won the series, but my god, after that game in the dressing room, like, did you think like? Man, I'm I'm pretty good right now. Like I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah, it was pretty surreal. Like you, you always dream of scoring the big goal, and then it actually happened. And I was like, holy, yeah, I actually did that. Um, <laughs> no, it was it was pretty it was pretty special. And it's funny because you're kind of you get you don't want to get too caught up in the moment because you know what you got to get prepared for the next game. So I was very superstitious and I, and I kind of look back now and, and regret it a little bit and not, you know, enjoying the moment a little bit more. Um, you know, I was kind of like, okay, like I just didn't want to jinx it. You know what I mean? You just get into a, a zone and you're like, okay, you know, it's awesome, but now we got to get ready and, and focus for, for the next game. And, that, and that's kind of what my mindset was going in. Like I enjoyed it. It was awesome. And I was pretty proud of myself for scoring, but my mindset was like, okay, you know what? This game's over now. We've got another, we've got to go to game six in Edmonton. Now, throughout the playoffs, because it wasn't like you just got hot for one round, man. You were scoring key goals all throughout the playoffs. In game six, you had the first two goals, and Hemsky scored two to, to eliminate Detroit, and you kind of took off from there. You talked about superstition. So were you doing the same? You're like, okay, I'm in a zone here. Were you starting <laughs> to like become the ultra superstitious guy doing the same thing, have to sit by the same guy or eat the same meal throughout playoffs? Yeah, we kind of got into a little uh, a ritual. And uh, I'd, I'd come off the ice every time and warm up at a certain time. And Jason Smith would be the first guy. George would be the second. And then... I would be kind of uh, a few guys after that, but we'd all be in, in in the washroom at a certain time, and it was just uh, just the ritual that we ended up doing all the time, and it was uh, it was it was pretty funny. And I always put my left side on first. I always put my left shin pad. I always put my left skate on. So 
I got into one of those into those rituals, but that's kind of what what I did all the time, and I just didn't I didn't change it at all. Now, what about your sticks? Did you keep using a stick till it dropped dead, or were you using a new one every time? How did you approach that? I used the same stick for quite a while. Um, I like my sticks very whippy, and and if I got a, if I got a hot, I would just mark whichever stick that was one, two, and three. And that's, I scored a goal, that was from one, and I would continue to use that stick until, until it was so whippy I couldn't shoot with it or it broke. I don't like to switch a lot of sticks all the time. So when you say quite a while, like for, like, cause I played with teammates like Brennan Shanahan, he'd make up three sticks for every game. And he would use one for each period, whether he shot a puck or not. It was crazy. So when you say quite a while, is that like three games or, or five games? Or, you know, was there an average? Uh, you know what? It was probably uh, you know a week and a half or two wow. weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's like a one, long time. One a series almost. Yeah, pretty much. It was uh, unless it broke, I, I, I used it quite a bit. So and I didn't like to I didn't like to switch sticks because if I got hot with one, I just continued with it. <laughs> Fernando Pasani joins us on the real life broadcast uh, uh, brought to you by Finning the parts you need when you want them. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more with Fernando Pasani. It's late, and you just finished a full day of work. Your equipment is done for the day, and tomorrow bright and early, you start all over again. You know what you need to keep it running smoothly, but there's not a break in the schedule to make that happen. With over 1.4 million cat parts at your fingertips on parts.cat.com, getting that part just became easier. Any device, anytime, anywhere. Get what you need, when you need it. Order today, parts.cat.com. We return on the Real Life Podcast. Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick, and our special guest this week, Fernando Pisani, brought to you by Finning Canada. All the parts you need in one place. Uh, before the break, you talked about, you know what, you weren't superstitious, uh, or you were superstitious, and you don't like changing your stick. Uh, we had Brad Winchester on the podcast last week, and he told us a great story about Game 2 <laughs> in Detroit after the national anthem, here's Winchester, a rookie in his first game. He's got the the nurse's glove on his hand, and he's picking up the octopus. Where, did did you know that was coming? And uh, what was your reaction when you saw him scoop it up? Well, I, I kind of had. Uh, I was going to actually tell that story. He was he was kind of nervous, and he's like, "I can't believe I got to do this." He's like. <laughs> He didn't know what to say or what to do, and I'm like, well, I'll just do it, right? All of a sudden, whips off his glove, and he's got the old surgical <laughs> gloves on, and he is, uh, he picks up, you know, in Detroit, they grab the octopus, and the guy, you know, you know, Strutt, he just grabs it, and he yeah. waves it around, and the whole building goes nuts, and uh, the best part is the guy comes on to go grab the octopus, and he's looking around like, where the heck is it? And... <laughs> So when he grabs it and throws it in the back of our bench, our, our bench reeked for a while. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. I didn't expect Mac to ask him to do that. But, are, are, uh, the, are the boys going was, crazy on the bench or what? Like I I would love that. Like yes, we got it. <laughs> well, you know what, guys are just like some guys didn't know what was going on. Okay. Some guys were surprised, and other guys were just kind of smirking and laughing. But that kind of set the tone for how we needed to play just kind of relax you know it just relaxed everybody i think so it was it was pretty funny to see and 
I know. I was thinking about that uh, about that when you guys called. This is the story I was going to tell. That was uh, it was pretty priceless. Well, uh, Steve Steos' reaction on the bench when he comes over and gives it, and Steos is just a guy like this is awesome. Like Struz just said, like you could just tell his reaction, like this is great. It's like we stole the other team's mascot, and away he went. Now, obviously, everybody knows about the on ice stories, and we're fantastic. Was there another good memory you have, whether it's a funny story or you know something that maybe was really serious that happened? either in warm-up or beforehand that you look back on and say, man, that was kind of crazy that that happened during that run? Mm, nothing I can say on air. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Oh, you know what? All okay. kidding aside, no, there was pretty much, it was a pretty loose environment, you know, a good group of guys, and, you know, we all kind of had fun, but nothing Nothing out of the ordinary, I can say. Now, what about your neighborhood? Weren't people, like, going, like, weren't they oiler flags or something? Like, people coming to your house every day or something? Yeah, we had, uh, I I think after we won the first series, someone built this huge oil derrick and left it on my driveway. (laughs) I'm coming out of my driveway, and all of a sudden, I see this huge oil derrick, and I'm like, what do I do with this thing? And then it was gone. It was gone that night. But yeah, it was funny. People got pretty, pretty crazy and pretty excited. And that was, you know, that's the best thing about playoffs is how excited and everybody gets in the city and everybody kind of rallies around the team. And, you know, every time we would go onto the ice, the whole, like, it was just so loud in that building. You can't explain while you guys were, while you were there, you could just feel the energy and you're like, wow, this is awesome. The trainers would be going back and forth, putting sticks on the bench and you can just hear people out there and just screaming, let's go Oiler. It was, you know, it just gave me butterflies. When you went to other buildings, you know, San Jose or Detroit, what, it, was it comparable as far as the volume? You know, San Jose was, was pretty loud. Um, and, and Carolina was surprisingly, you know, very loud. I remember I was on the ice and I was wide open in the slot and, and I was screaming at Hork to pass it to me and uh, he just he didn't hear me or see me but maybe he just wanted, didn't want to pass to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty loud. But San Jose was 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 very loud and we went into that building and uh, yeah, it was a tough, very tough building to play in and they they gave it to us the first two games but after that we kind of figured out how we had to play and. You go from series to series, and you get used to playing a certain team a certain way. And then we went from Detroit, you know, we kind of took away their time and space, played a little bit more of a, you know, a chess game. And then you go San Jose, and they were just physical and coming at us hard. And, um, yeah, it was just interesting how each series you just had to prepare differently and, and just kind of figure it out. Speaking of the San Jose series and physical, your line mate, Rafi Torres, might have changed that whole series in Game 3 with a rocket hit on uh, Mahalik. And, you you know, Fernando, you were never a guy who, you know, was a mean-spirited player on the ice. But come playoff time, you know, guys are just like, hey, we do whatever it takes to win. Uh, where were you? Like, were you on the bench? Were you on the ice when you saw that hit? I think I was on the ice because uh, all I seen was this guy go flying and uh, <laughs> what happened and – I just was glad it wasn't me. But Rafi, Rafi's that kind of guy that if your head's down and he's got an opportunity to, to finish his check, he'll, he'll do that. 
You know, I I love when you talk about that whole business of the of the series to series and how it changes. Maybe take you know uh, the listeners through. Let's say you're preparing for Team X, whatever it is. You know, what is it like getting to know that team intimately inside and out, and then working through game one, two, three, four, through to seven? Well, you know, like like Detroit was, we had to, we just had to kind of take away their time and space. And what we did was we just kind of backed off a little bit and just cluttered up the neutral zone. And then you go to San Jose and it was just a much faster paced game and we were just and like you know and it was kudos to the coaching staff Mac D, Billy Moores and uh and Craig Simpson and Charlie Huddy they they prepared us extremely well and those guys did an awesome job of you know what we're playing Detroit it's not a big deal okay this is what we need to do to beat them and this is how we're going to do it and it was that calm demeanor that they had behind the bench in our preparation it wasn't like okay this is, we got we got to panic this is Detroit you know we got to do this this and that it was it was very calm the presentations were you know precise and, and you know this is how we have to beat these guys and we're going to beat these guys and if we follow this game plan we will and that that was that was huge for for us as as players because you know you're you're as good as your leaders and our leaders were our coaches and and they did a good job of preparing us and just getting us mentally ready for the games I love that you talk about the coaches, staff, and their role. But at what point has it become like in the room? You know, now it's it's on the captain, it's on kind of the top players, on the veteran guys. To say, hey, this is what we have to do right now. Let's make this little switch, or you know, I'm talking about further on to game three, four, five, or six. Yeah, and you know, like Jason Smith, like we had a lot of good veteran guys on the uh, on our team. That okay, guys, we're not going to panic. This is what we have to do, and. In between periods, guys would be talking, and and we were a very close knit team. We did a lot of things off the ice together, and dinners, and uh, and all that. So, you know, Jason Smith was was a great leader for us. Ethan Morrow, Steve Steos, and those guys, you know, they go out there and they're blocking shots and and finishing their checks and just doing those little things that other guys would say, okay, you know, rally behind, and this is how we have to play, and this is what we have to do, and you just didn't want to let your teammates down. Brandon Pisani joins us. I want to go into Craig McTavish's coaching that year, Fernando. And uh, like I know he came up with a system specifically for Detroit. Uh, how did you see him maybe evolve or change or even elevate his coaching during that run? Well, that that season, like the last month and a half, it was it was pretty tense in, in us making making the playoffs. And I think once once we got in, it was like a huge monkey was off everybody's back, and the coaching staff included. And there was really no expectations on us to, to win. Like nobody, nobody thought we could win other than us in the dressing room and, and the coaching staff. But everybody else had pretty much written us off. So there was really no no pressure, no outside pressure uh, for us to win. And and that's how that's how Mac D coached, and that's how he kind of led us. And um, and and they just it was just go out there and play. Now that's we we got in. The hard part was getting into the playoffs. Now that we're in the playoffs, let's just go out and play and see what happens. Of course, uh, for you, I think that run, without a doubt, the best part of your NHL career. Uh, you played the majority of your career with Edmonton, of course, finishing with uh, Chicago. The the city, and you, you live here, of course, now. You're from Edmonton, living in St. Albert. Uh, you, you coached the U of A Golden Bears assistant coach this year. I know you're heavily involved in a lot of minor coaching uh, of your sons. But the playoffs are coming in a few weeks in Edmonton, uh, they're going to be in the first round. Whether they open up at home or not uh, remains to be seen. But 
Are you planning on being in the building for the first home playoff game in 11 years? Yeah, you know what? I'd, I'd love to. I uh, would be awesome to be in there and just to kind of get that feeling back and that, and that intensity and just to see how crazy the building will get. And I think it would be a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you right now, if, if the orders had any smarts, what they would do before game one, who would they wheel out before the anthem? Honestly, I'd have Fernando Pisani come down. The, the last great playoff hero in Edmonton, the city hasn't had the playoffs in 11 years. The building's going to be going, they'd go crazy. They'd go crazy because that, when people think of the 06 playoffs, you know, there's a lot of things they think about. Pronger was great. Rolison was great. But, you know, Fernando Pisani, 14 goals, you know, outstanding, 24 points that year for you in the playoffs, I think it was. It was, you know, it was a magical time for you, but really a magical time for the city. And, and I would hope the organization somehow has you involved because I think it would it would be a lot of fun for people to kind of connect maybe finally the playoffs are back in Edmonton. Yeah, you know what? I, I think the other part is that the guys would want to be focused and getting ready and all that. I, I, I don't know how, how that would uh, uh, energize uh, the boys, but I think that's the big thing is the guys just getting ready and, uh, and just enjoying it. I, you know, it'll be a lot of fun, and I think a lot of guys will be pretty excited to play in that game. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm not saying bring it through the room. I was saying more so oh, okay. in front, in, like onto the ice for the fans or something like that. Ceremony oh, face-off, yeah. bring it down. Maybe have a few video clips of uh, Fernando Pisani. Yeah. Because there's not many, like, really, outside of the 2006 playoffs, it's hard to find many highlight reels, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, <laughs> crazy. It's been that long since uh, since we've had playoff oh. I, I get a sense you're a little bit reluctant to do it. Is it is it a bit a little bit concerned about kind of like your hair loss? Is that an issue that you don't want? To, you may have to wear a hat or something. Or <laughs> hey, Strut, if they give you a TV show, they'll give anybody one. Been <laughs> 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 saving that one up. They wrote that one down this oh, yeah. morning over breakfast. I, I wrote this one down just now, and I just got to check it off. Hold on a second. <laughs> now, you're doing a lot of coaching. Do, do you play uh, men's league with your your buddies or a pickup game at all? No, we uh, we used to play in the IHL, but that uh, that ran into financial problems. So we had oh, to they, you bankrupt the league by your, your demands, didn't you? <laughs> no, nobody wanted to pay the five bucks to, uh, anymore. So <laughs> the outdoor rink. Well, uh, Fernando, uh, great talking to you. Uh, uh, you know, I know for a lot of fans, and I'm, I'm sure may- maybe it gets old for you, but I know a lot of people love hearing stories. There's a lot of fans, a lot of listeners to the podcast, uh, in Edmonton anyway, who were never adults when the orders have been in the playoffs. Right? You think about that. If you weren't 18 in 2006, this is your first time to have a beer at an orders playoff game, whether it's at your buddy's house. And uh, it's funny, you talked about your superstition with your teammates and stuff. Buddies and fans across oh. the city, like they have their buddies over. They have to sit in the same seat in the coach. Like fans' superstitions are just as wild as players. It's crazy. Well, I know that's that's great though. That's awesome that people are passionate. Well, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, we can't wait. Don't know who they're playing, but it's gonna be a great run to see these guys go. And I, I tell you what, I think we'll all try to be there to see it, especially at Rogers Place. Connor McDavid, all these great guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and one last one. Why do you never go to the Oilers alumni skates, Pisani? Are you, you, are you too good to skate with Struds and Louis DeBrusque and all those other guys? I've never seen you out there. Well, I'm usually on the ice with the Oil Kings at that time. So or else I'd, I'd love to go out there. Oh, well, I think I in April you can because the Oil Kings season uh, is over. Struds tells me 
how many points he gets all the time, so I oh. get the updates anyway. Well, well, I update it. When I go, I update it every time. People want to know, uh, the alumni want to know who's scoring. And I I'd want it to, I guess I'll tell everyone your stats are uh, left wanting. You're, there's some talk about maybe moving you off the squad. <laughs> Put me on the B squad. <laughs> <laughs> Fernando, uh, continue helping out in the community, and uh, thanks for the trip down memory lane, and uh, hopefully uh, Oiler fans see you the first home game of the 2017 NHL playoffs in Edmonton. All right, thanks, guys. Fernando Pisani, who was the prince of the playoffs in Edmonton in 2006, like lights out good. I'm one of the best guys you'll ever meet. I know that. I know you're still listening, and I'm saying this because I actually mean it. You're one of the best, Pie. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, Freddie. <laughs> Freddie, that wraps it up. Uh, when we yeah. come back, the next hey will be the playoff edition yes. of the oh. Real Life Podcast. So excited. I'm fired up. Uh, we're we're going to party at your house, right? Hey, buddy, for sure. Well, that's okay. good because we party at your house. Uh, the last time that happened, uh, you were uh, tucked in your own bed at midnight. So uh, well. if we do it somewhere else, hopefully you can make it fast. That's actually a true story. He passed yes. out at his own party. I was very tired. Before midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Cinderella is going to turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Real Life Podcast. Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick, our special guest, Fernando Pisani, always brought to you by our great sponsor, Finning Canada. The parts you need when you want them. 1.4 million parts at your fingertips. That's Finning. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.